What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because ideas are free, but execution is what counts. If you're struggling to come up with a business idea, a side hustle idea, stick around in this one because we're going to just give some away here. Joel Hansen is here. He is the founder of Kernel. It's K-E-R-N dot A-L, which uh, from an outsider looking in, it's kind of like Reddit or kind of like Product Hunt, but for business ideas that don't exist yet. So just a few minutes on the site I found it definitely sparked some creativity for me. So I encourage you to uh, check that one out. But we'll get right into it. So the format that I had in mind here is just back and forth presentation and discussion on some of the different business ideas that are free for you to run with. We've each got, uh, you know, five or 10 uh, ideas to throw out there and brainstorm a bit on. I will kick us off. This was an idea that was actually presented on Kernel from Sam Parr, founder of The Hustle. And his idea was anonymize my life. I want to disappear from the internet. My spin on this would be like the erase me button. If there was an easy way to hide or obscure my family's address from all these like public directories, I think that would be a service worth paying for. But here's your take on Sam's idea. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. And just to be transparent and open, I'm just on the founding team early stage with Colonel and the founder can actually be credited to Ryan Holmes at Hootsuite. And so it's just a I guess a joy that I get to be a part of the the founding process, kind of beta bringing it to life, but I, I can't take all the credit. But regarding Sam's idea, I think what comes to my mind is, as you mentioned, our address, our story, some parts of our life are on the internet that I think not everyone needs to see and, and maybe should have access to. And I also think of, there's a lot of entrepreneurs I know that are very visual on social media, but they don't like their kids to be visual to let them make that decision when they're 18. And I think it'd be neat if that erase button or anonymize button kind of safeguarded people that were under 18. And maybe when they hit 18, they get that option to either turn the lever back on or keep it off if they choose to be unnamed. What do you think about that? There's something to this. And it's weird because, you know, a generation ago, you know, in the school directories, like everybody had their, you know, address listed in the neighborhood. You go figure out where you, where all your friends lived and stuff. And, you know, it was the white pages, right? You could look up anybody. But now it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if I want that stuff out there. And there's just dozens and dozens of sites. And I've had virtual assistants uh, and even myself in the past, like go through, you know, pages and pages of search results. And it's kind of a tedious process to, you know, find the get rid of my listing link. And then, you know, maybe it takes some 48 hours to remove that stuff. I think there might be a, a service business idea in there somewhere to help people get some of that public record stuff uh, off the internet to the extent that it's uh, allowed. We'll turn it over to you, Joel, for your next uh, idea on the list here. Yeah. And, and just to build on, on Sam's idea, I think something he talked about in his podcast a while back was there's a big movement on Twitter of people being anonymous that are building a following and building a business around what they do. And I think it'd be interesting to see tools and, you know, a marketplace of anonymous tools that creators could use if they want to protect their identity, almost like the reverse of a personal brand, which could be interesting. Another idea I'd love to hear your thoughts on, Nick, is probably the startup SaaS bundle by Elaine Zelby. Elaine is uh, a partner at SignalFire. She writes a weekly newsletter called Zelby.substack, uh, comes with three startup ideas a week, pretty cool. 
And she has an idea. It's got 76 votes on Kernel, and it was around essentially a starter pack bundle for creators or founders that are new to entrepreneurship. And so you think about when you set up your iPhone, you've got all those auto-downloaded apps that come for free on your phone, you're ready to go. What if when you got a laptop or a device, or you said you were going to be a founder this year, you could get a startup SaaS bundle and you get discounted services, all the top voted, all the top reviewed, and you get about 10 apps and tools that can help the founder make a business or their first side hustle come to life. What do you think about that? Yeah, I kind of like this one. It could be even, I see it from the software provider side as almost participating in a like a free trial strategy where it's like, hey, you know, we want to get people in the door and hopefully it's a high growth thing because a lot of them are priced, at least on the email software side, like they're based on the number of users or number of subscribers that you have. So it's, yeah, you will give away free trials to hopefully, you know, have people on our platform gaining some traction. So I think that makes sense. What makes me nervous about that? And then the same thing, like when I buy a new laptop from Dell, it comes like pre-bundled with a bunch of crap that I don't really want. And so the, that would be the challenge here is trying to figure out well, what what's actually necessary for my particular business versus just, well, it, it came in the bundle. Totally. And I think similar to what I did, I, I got an Apple Watch a little while ago. And this week I was just deleting apps. And I think it'd be neat if I could have a couple different verticals of like, when I'm buying something, can I buy it for tech, for health, for teaching for logistics, whatever your business category is, what if you had pre-selected bundles that fit the demographic? And you could even answer questions like your age, gender, background, what you want to do in the business. And then the bundle service could almost provide the best priced option um, and include it in your bundle. Okay. I think that would be cool. Because yeah, it's like, if there was some level of personalization there, well, you're going to need hosting, you're going to need an email provider, you're going to need, you know, maybe some customer support ticketing system, you know, maybe there's like these five or 10 things that based on what you told us about what you want to build, here's what we think you need. And you may not need all of them today. But you know, you have them in your back pocket, we've already done the research and the vetting. So you don't have to like, shop around for different tools. Like that was a pain point, like shopping around different email service providers, shopping around different bookkeeping services. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure somebody else has already had a similar business and gone through this same pain points. So yeah, if somebody could shortcut that, that would be a value add for sure. Totally. And if anyone is curious about this idea, a couple places to look would be, um, there's a great website called joinsecret.com. And what joinsecret does is they actually bundle together SaaS products, but more so just give you a discount versus like a bundle. And that might be interesting to take a look at. And then the other thing is that a lot of these communities, like an on deck or a big conference like Collision or South by Southwest, sometimes will have sponsor promo codes. And it'd be interesting if you unbundled those communities and conferences, if you could have a list of promo codes that could be added to the bundle. So you don't have to waste your time looking around the internet. Okay, yeah, for sure. Uh, I like that one, the startup SaaS bundle. So number three for this episode is what I would call just like an online business dashboarding tool. And I know there are lots of different options out there, but something uh, custom, something bespoke that, you know, I'm still trying to build this for myself and maybe it's in Google Data Studio or maybe there's like some way to to create this, but I want to be able to pull in like an at a glance 
what did the business earn yesterday? You know, what was the traffic like? How many email subscribers did you get? You know, how many people joined the Facebook? Like some of the metrics that kind of would be important to you. And some of them are more vanity metrics, but some of them are leading indicators towards revenue down the road. It's like maybe that didn't directly result in a sale today, but you know, if you can get more people listening to the show, generally that tends to have positive benefits down the road. And so whether there's a service-based element to this where I will set this up for you, done for you, or I mean, it would be really hard to build the software solution to it and, and do it differently than, you know, Google and some of these other tools already have attempted. But just, you know, if you're a, if you're an API guy and or girl and can figure all this stuff out, I think that would be an interesting one. For sure. The name that comes to mind that people might want to look up is Nathan Barry, who created ConvertKit. And Nathan essentially has kind of the all-in-one email service for people, I think, like a Tim Ferriss or a Noah Kagan. And what I'm hearing from you is almost uh, like a ConvertKit or a Signal dashboard for like all of your internet tools. And what might be interesting is... I'm coming to mind kind of like a, a notion kit of like you're on notion, you have a dashboard and it scrapes the internet of where your top sales messages and ideas are coming from. And then each week you could kind of look back on where you should double down your time and maybe where you should back up from where your time isn't being well spent. Okay. Yeah. That would be probably depressing. Like what was the one? It was like time doctor or one of these like background tools that would tell you how many hours, maybe it was rescue time. One of these, one of these two tools would tell you like, Oh, you spent six hours on Facebook this week. It's like, thanks for the reminder, but uh, I don't know if I need to know. What else have you got for us? One that is pretty well known on Twitter would be Andrew Gazdecki. He's the founder of Microacquire, um, which is essentially a marketplace where people can buy and sell their startup, you know, websites or companies. And what's interesting about Andrew's idea, the one-liner is reducing meetings within companies. And if you look up the idea, he's kind of got like this idea that essentially is an app that reduces meetings. And so it could be like an incentivization program for how valuable your meetings are within the company. And the signal that is kind of acting off of this is a board meeting with 10 people that are each getting paid 200, 300 a year to be on that board. If they waste an hour, you can divide that and find out how much they're wasting per hour on that meeting. And if meetings can be done with an email or a Slack message or an audio note, the thought is what if we could save more company time by creating an incentivization program to reduce the meetings we have. And so Andrew's idea is kind of like an app that kills dumb meetings and incentivize the leaderboard for the most effective meetings of the month for the company. What do you think about that? I think that is fantastic. I remember my old corporate job and thinking, uh, you know, we'd have these like big regional meetings where, you know, we'd bring in everybody from the field, 30, 40 people. Some people were coming in from out of town. So they're getting hotels uh, on the company dime. You'd sit there for a day and a half you think about everybody's salary in that room and you're like, could this have been accomplished, you know, over some sort of conference call, like in half the time? I don't know. It's like there was a team building element and that kind of pro-social element of seeing your coworkers and hanging out in person that is hard to replicate online, but it did seem horribly inefficient. So just kind of putting front and center the actual labor cost 
of running these meetings and having to answer, okay, do we expect to see a positive ROI on that? I think that would be eye-opening for a lot of companies. For sure. And even you mentioning that, I think there's going to be special moments where you're going to want to meet as a team and that's great. But what could be a better kind of tool or feedback note would be maybe at the end of a meeting, a note gets sent to all the members and it says, how would you rank this out of 10? Would you come to the same meeting next week? And what if there was some kind of AI auto message that took the consensus and then sent like a follow-up note to say 80% of people would not go to this meeting again, not to hurt anybody's feelings, but let's not do this next week. And it's this consensus that no one's getting in trouble, but we're wasting company time and we're wasting stakeholder dollars. And so let's be better effective. And I'm kind of envisioning the scoreboard of like Tom, like Jacqueline, Ralph, and it's like leaderboards for like most meetings killed in a quarter. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting one. So this is something that already exists or somebody could, could build something similar? I think so. Oh, no, no, this is just an idea. So Andrew put this out and it's in the air. If any of the listeners want to run with it, maybe Andrew would write you an angel, tech, uh, angel check story and Nick could help out with the distribution. All right, nice. So that was number four, uh, the app to reduce meetings and the you know leaderboard dashboard on you know how much time and money that's actually uh, saving your uh, employees and uh, and stakeholders there. Number five for me is I would love to see a easy unsubscribe for physical mail, like report spam for physical mail. It boggles my mind how many rules and regulations and laws we have surrounding email spam, yet the physical mail that comes from trees is apparently just like rampant. And anyone can just buy a list of households in this neighborhood and just spam out whatever we want. We would get like messages for the nearby church or the nearby dental office or this new physical therapy place that opened. It's like, I just unsubscribe. I do not want this anymore in my life. I wish there was an easy button to get rid of all that stuff. I've actually never heard that one. And I think that's a genius idea because it kind of dovetails off your first idea, which was anonymizing your information. And you kind of think about every email we get. And I, Nick, I get your emails. I really like them. And I think you are listening to the rules where at the bottom, there's always that unsubscribe button. And you're giving your readers an option to say, if you don't like this, you can unsubscribe. But when we get a physical piece of mail, there is no unsubscribe button. And I think you've hit the jackpot to say, what if there could be a higher premium tier, maybe a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year, where you can hide your address from spam mail? And I wonder if there's a conflict with maybe you look at the post office structure. Sometimes it's a crown corp. Sometimes it's private corp, but usually those big companies sell based off their distribution. And if distribution stopped, you know, that would affect the customer. And so it's kind of like a chicken in the egg of like, can the unsubscribe button exist? But also you think of every tool, even canceling or blocking a phone number, like phone, email, social media, you can always block someone. And it baffles my mind that you mentioned the one last thing that cannot be blocked. So I think that's an opportunity. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. 
It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. ANDS.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, number six. Okay, I got a good one. So. This would be from Trevor McKendrick. Trevor, uh, if you've seen him on Twitter or social media, he's got like a yellow background in his profile photo. And he was the former chief of staff for Austin, the CEO of Lambda School. And Lambda School is kind of like a, a futuristic school where you pay your degree based off the salary that you they connect you to for a job. And I really like that model because it kind of incentivizes students to come to school and then they take a percentage of your salary once you land a job with a degree. And he has this really cool idea which is called shadow a CEO. And the shadow a CEO idea is kind of going off masterclass. And the sense is we have masterclass, we have YouTube, but we don't really have a masterclass or YouTube for private high performing CEOs and founders. And you do have Howard Schultz on Masterclass. You do have Steph Curry, Oprah, you know, the, the big names. But what if you could go and watch how Bill Gates or Kylie Jenner or Kobe Bryant or whatever your leader would be, how they use their laptop, how they respond to email, how they run meetings, how they set up their apps on their phone, just those incremental kind of sidesteps that they do every day that compound over time. And that's kind of Trevor's idea of what if you could have a masterclass for founder CEOs that you want to learn from for maybe a day or a week, and you could have pre-recorded lessons 
that then goes either to a charity of their choice or maybe to their company as a onboarding tool for future staff. What do you think? Okay. And so I do like this, especially as a one to many type of thing. Like I can't imagine a whole lot of CEOs are going to sign up out of the goodness of their heart to like let some random intern follow them around for the day. It's like, dude, I'm I'm busy. I don't have time to show you my apps. But if it was like a pre-recorded thing, then yes, I think there may be some a greater level of interest in that, especially as like a, you know, as CEOs become more personal brands in a lot of ways. But I want to go back to your performance-based school. I've never heard of this. This sounds fascinating as like risk reversal for higher education. Like we're going to take a percentage of your future salary. Like that's nuts. Like they have ownership stake. They have like, um, they have stock in this person's future and are, and are motivated to ensure their success or their incentives are aligned versus like traditional university. We're just going to take your tuition and say, uh, have a nice life when it's all done. I think that's, uh, that's a really interesting angle. It's massive, Nick. And the best part is, is that it's not a startup idea. It's actually a startup concept that's been executed by Lambda School. And I think there's also been models inspired as a result of it. But basically, Austin or Trevor can correct me if, if they're listening, but how Lambda School works is they flipped the cost on its head to say, if Nick is a good software engineer or has the, the framework to be a good software engineer, I'll train him for a year or two years. I will position him in an internship and then get him a job. And then since his role will make over six figures in his first year, I, as an institution, am going to take five to 10% of his salary for a couple years until his institution fee, let's say 40,000 is paid off. And so if you make a hundred thousand a year, let's say take 10%, that's four years in your hundred K plus a year role. And the institution's happy because you are connected to the student. The company's happy because they get someone that's ready to roll. And the family and support network of the students happy because they're not working at Starbucks with $100,000 worth of debt and no job to go to. And so I think about this and how holistic of a process this could be for the huge universities like the Yales, the Harvards the universities across the states in Canada and around the world, what if they challenge this notion, set up a 5 or 10% cohort to test the model, and then flipped the model on its head? Yeah, I'm trying to think now of what other old school businesses, and there's you know, very few businesses older school than, uh, than school itself, just like trying to think of what other businesses a similar performance-based model could be applied to because it's like put your money where your mouth is this is the perry marshall power guarantee like look we believe in our service so much that if it doesn't work you don't pay us kind of a thing and you see i guess you see it in uh like law firms like if you don't win your case you don't have to pay us or you know we'll take a percentage of your settlement i've seen people do it in facebook ads where it's like we're just gonna we're gonna run this campaign for you and we're gonna take a percentage of the profits it's a challenging thing from a you know, tracking and attribution standpoint, especially if you have like multiple touch points of marketing firing at one time. Uh, the one that I always wanted to see was like the performance-based accounting service, which somebody told me was may or may not be legal for like misaligned incentives and stuff. But it was like, hey, look, you know, we're going to, you know, run your numbers as they are today. We're going to run your numbers based on a few little optimizations. And hey, look, if we save you 10 grand, like, okay, we're going to take a, a percentage fee out of that. But 
I don't know, may or may not be legal. Another business, so maybe we'll call this number seven, is the auto rebooking on Southwest for fare decreases. And I understand this is a very niche service, but like we used to fly a ton of Southwest and they have like an amazing like rebooking policy. Like if the price goes down, you can just change your flight to the lower priced one and they'll credit you the difference or either in, in back in the points that you use, or I think they give it to you, you know, in credit for a future flight. But the where it's a pain and why nobody does it is because like you have to constantly be checking the prices. So like, I'm sure, I'm sure, and this is Southwest, um, you know, has pretty opaque pricing. Like they don't necessarily let their prices syndicate to a bunch of different websites. So you have to get around this like technical challenge of, you know, how do you actually build a system to check their fares when they don't push that across the internet. But I think that would be definitely valuable. And and it, that could be performance-based too. Like, oh, we'll just take a percentage of what we saved for you. Because there's other companies that do this, like Bill Shark or uh, Bill Cutters. We'll renegotiate your cable bill for you or something like that. And we'll take a percentage of the savings. So I like this performance-based model. And I think it could be applied across uh, a lot of different ways. I like that. That's a really good idea. I have one that might be fun. So LinkedIn kind of gets the rep for jobs and hiring. I think their last report shared that I think three people are hired on LinkedIn every minute. So they say, and Twitter has kind of had a huge pop with their recent product rollout. Their team's been a bit more quicker on putting things together. They, what else do they do? They launched like Twitter blue and a crypto and web three is kind of also increased. I think the, the rapid content sharing a bit more in certain fields. And Tiffany Zong is, she's a founder of something called, I think it's zebra.io or zebra.iq. And it's essentially like a brain tree for like creators to monetize. And I'm pretty sure she has a background, I think, at working at Andreessen. Uh, I believe Alexis from Reddit has, has invested in Tiffany before. So she's quite a trusted voice on Twitter. And her startup idea was essentially a recruiting or jobs app on Twitter. And that could either be someone utilizing the data on Twitter or Twitter themselves. You might have to build a moat if you're not Twitter. But she's essentially said, I'm hiring for multiple roles. And there's interesting signals that I want to monetize the job role to be filled on my Twitter audience. But since I only have my tweet, inputs and outputs, I can only do so much. And so the thought is, what if you could like transport your Twitter audience or include like a, a tweet framework that would, label, would let you hire on Twitter? And I kind of think about like a LinkedIn for Twitter in the sense that you could hire people and probably source better talent if you were able to get a workaround for your audience. What do you think? I mean, there's a lot of money in recruiting for sure. I mean, some of these uh, headhunter fees are significant. And so if there's any way to either save companies money on that recruiting cost, uh, I think that would be appealing for them as the customers, but also from the candidate side of things. Like if you're going to help me connect with a job that's a better fit, I think that's uh, a win for sure. Awesome. What next one do you have? Next one on my list is the used car concierge. And I know at the time, that we're recording this in late 2021, like the used car market is is just nuts. And so maybe imagine a, a more regular used car market where in the past, like the last car that we shopped for was kind of this tedious process of checking 
multiple websites for this specific model. Like I'm looking for this model within this date range, within this mileage range. And it was just kind of a pain. And you finally find one that looks suitable, but it happens to be 45 minutes away. So you're like, well, is it really worth driving all the way out there? I think where the used car concierge comes in is this person does all that searching for you. They negotiate the best price because they're like the master used car price negotiator person rather than you coming in as just a layperson doing this. And then they just take a fee. Again, another performance-based thing. Like, you know, it's a flat fee. Maybe it's a flat percentage of the purchase price. And like a real estate deal where, you know, you pay your buyer's agent a little bit, or maybe the seller pays the buyer's agent out of their uh, sales commission or sales uh, proceeds or something. But I think this would, uh, not something that people necessarily buy used cars very often. So kind of an infrequently needed service, but would definitely be a helpful one uh, when the time comes. For sure. Something I heard that I've been thinking on today is, I think it was Jack Abrams, who's the founder of Atomic. He kind of explains that one of the best low-hanging fruits for startup ideas is taking what the top 1% have in terms of like wealth or options and bringing it to the bottom 99%. And so you think about an, an exotic vacation home for the top 1% turned into like Airbnb for everyone, or your private driver turned into Uber, your private chef turned into Uber Eats or DoorDash. And I've kind of been thinking on that. And this one you said kind of fits that model. And what would be interesting is all you'd have to do is call up maybe a couple dozen local dealerships or car shops to see if they'd want to help kind of add some inventory. And you get a couple local university grads that need part-time jobs and maybe you put up some billboards and see if it works. But I, I think it's a, it's a good idea. Yeah, I like this angle. Take what the 1% have and try to apply it to the 99%. That's a good reframe or I guess idea generation framework in terms of even in like personal assistance. You know, we've seen a lot like the rise of virtual assistant companies and lots of, I guess, examples in the gig economy and just, you know, make it on demand. Like I may not have a full staff of people taking care of my house, but I can I can sure click a couple buttons and you know get stuff delivered and it makes it makes it feel like I'm a part of this one uh, percent crowd. And number ten for me, and I know we're going out of order here. It may be similarly aligned. Is this make my stuff disappear? So we just went through this move from California to Washington State, and I spent a lot of time on. Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist trying to get rid of stuff. It was if it was a very heavy process. Like I've, you know, fashioned myself as somewhat minimalist. And yet it was like, why why do we have all this stuff? Why do we have three of these? And it was just like, do we really need this? Does it is it gonna fit in the truck? It was like it was a very heavy process. So the make my stuff uh, disappear service is like eBay or Facebook Marketplace consignment service. They take the pictures, they do the measurements, they do the listings, they deal with potential tire kickers and uh, customer communication. And then they just take a fee of the ultimate sales proceeds. I know there are people doing this on eBay. I don't know that a ton of people try and do it locally, like in your neighborhood. It would be a way to source inventory for a flipping business on eBay or Marketplace. But I just, I think there's something here because like, you know, we all know that we need to declutter, but it's a pain. So we don't do it. For sure. The two people that come to mind for me on this idea is Gary V just does his trash talk kind of garage sale, goes to see, you know, what the best deal is, films it, 
gets the content and then gets a great deal and resells it. And he's kind of created selfie content around finding the best deal, which is kind of interesting. And then Brian Scudamore is actually a Vancouver-based entrepreneur. He's uh, started and scaled 1-800-GOT-JUNK across uh, the world. I think they're the largest junk company in, in the world. And I think they, on any given day across their four brands, they do a million a day in sales. And I think they're close to a billion in annual revenue. And they have perfected the, you see something and you get rid of it. And this really gets me interested because not everyone wants to get rid of it. Sometimes people want to sell it on marketplace, but don't want the time and energy that goes into selling it. And that's the sweet spot you mentioned of what if there was like a brokerage service of, I'm going to drop all my stuff here, almost at like a hand-me-down spot. But instead of it going to Goodwill, it could maybe be brokered into another network where they take it and they just get a percentage of what they sold. Because I think you get a lot of business professionals that can make more per hour doing their day job than they can selling a couch or selling a table. But what if they could give it to a network that has the distribution and then they share in the profits? And that actually might be maybe an idea we could email to Brian to see if he wants to sponsor an entrepreneur that wants to run after it. Yeah, I remember Brian was on the show a couple summers ago and I asked him like, well, what do you, you know, what do you do with all the stuff? Do you ever go through and like look for treasures to resell to like, you're like, you're getting paid to take it away, but it's like, you're also potentially getting valuable inventory for free. And he's like, dude, we don't have time to do, to do that and like try and price check everything. It is an interesting angle for sure. And maybe like a smaller operation or a more local operation could do that. Play it from both sides. Hey, we'll, we'll get rid of the stuff that isn't worth anything. We'll do the junk removal. But then, oh, you know, as an extra income stream, as a side hustle to this business, we can go uh, and see if we can resell any of it and repurpose it. Like, it's like, you know, it saves that stuff from landfills too. Totally. And I think if the idea was to be explored, it probably have to be a younger kind of hustler that has a bit more time to, to dig into it. I think someone like Brian, he probably has just seen and tested a lot of these ideas. But if there was someone that wanted to test it, my advice would be pick a high traffic area like an apartment building. You've got 500 or 1,000 people in an apartment building that's like 30, 50 stories high and maybe you know a good amount each day on the last day of the month people are leaving or changing their spots. And what if you can just test out like a pilot brokerage of like email and text everyone that's looking to sell stuff, connect it to everyone that's looking to buy stuff close by. And you can almost do like a, like a, a tactic where it goes to like everyone within five kilometers on Facebook ads. And you have like this frenzy sale that you get top 10, 10 or 20% commission. And then the others keep the 80%. That I think has the market. But going around the whole city, to me, sounds like a lot of wasted time. I like this angle of going to uh, high-density places. Maybe you work out a deal with the property manager or, you know, you can stick some flyers in the lobby like, hey, we're having this consignment sale. Like, let me know what you got. You know, we'll all pile it up here or we'll all come and take pictures of it or something like that. That could be a good way to get uh, a bunch of inventory uh, pretty quickly. So that was number 10, the Make My Stuff uh, Disappear service, potential spinoffs uh, from there. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time 
and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Uh, number 11, uh, Joel, what have you got? So... One I've been thinking about is I have article after article and book after book that gets sent to me and they're recommended by friends, right? And I want to read them eventually, but sadly, I'm pretty busy being an entrepreneur, doing things like this. But what I would love to see is a tool I could post a link or post a photo of a book and automatically it turns it into 20 minute bite-sized audio clips that I can listen to and digest on the go so that if Nick and I are chatting and Nick's like, Joel, after this, you've got to read this book. Uh, the book is let's say outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And I'm like, I think I've read that, but I'm not sure. And he's like, just put it into audioclip.com. I go to audioclip.com. I type in outliers. It turns outliers, a big book or a big audible into 30 minute or 20 minute bite sized audio clips. And then during my day or during my week, I can test it out and enjoy the book. The other play would also be say, if someone sends me a recipe or an article to read or a Twitter thread, as much as I'd love to stare at my phone all day, it'd be neat if I could auto check that into a digital um, recording and then just listen on my AirPods when I'm walking to the grocery store. What do you think? Okay. Now I, I feel like I came across something recently that was a text to audio tool for, for blog posts, I guess. It was like how to turn blog posts into podcast episodes, essentially. I mean, that's what we're looking for. Like, how do I audio this stuff so I can listen to it on the go? On the book summary side, uh, Blinkist does something similar and they're, they've got a huge library that they have put together these, you know, 15 minute summaries for. So that might be worth taken a look at on the book front. But yeah, these other media that could be audiotized, uh, I think is an interesting place to play for sure. I butchered it with the book idea. I do know about Blinkist, but it'd be more so the Twitter threads. And even Nick, like your articles or your newsletters I get, they're awesome. But I'd love to, like for you to not have to recap them all into an audio clip. What if there was just a tool I could say, copy and paste, turn it into an audio clip in 30 seconds. That's kind of, I think, like the medium I was going after. But then also Twitter threads is a big one as well that you can't really tell your phone to dictate the Twitter thread, which is too bad. Okay, I feel like this day is coming. You could even have it read in the creator's voice with um, overdub. Have you seen like, yes. uh, with Descript and how they can overdub? Like if you you just feed it a little bit of your voice and then it could start spin, spitting out words that you never even said. It's like kind of creepy, spooky in a way. But um, that's where we're going. That's the future. Um, so I like that. Audio clips for everything. I think 
if something doesn't exist, something will probably exist pretty soon and, and maybe scarily personalized. Number 12 that I have, this comes from Colonel. This is YouTube recap newsletter, uh, was suggested by Farbad Moghadam. And the idea here is similar to yours. Like I, there's a ton of amazing content creators on YouTube, but I am just not the person who's going to sit down and watch an hour and a half of videos every day. But if there was like, you know, maybe you could pick the niche that you're interested in. Like, I want to learn what's going on in the world of personal finance or personal fitness or gardening or whatever it is. Um, maybe there's this, you know, YouTube recap newsletter where they just kind of give you the important bullet points without having to play the YouTube game of watch time and, and thumbs up this thing and, you know, watch to the very end and then watch the next video and you get sucked in. I, I really like that idea. And I think something I was thinking about on that note, this might be difficult with privacy, privacy sharing settings, but what if you could almost like with our, our smartphones or our laptops, if you could have like certain friends or coworkers open their history of what YouTube they're watching or what, what they're browsing on. It could be interesting to see like, Hey, XYZ friend, like went through this whole like finance video. And like, since you're close with this friend, you'd like it as well. And it's kind of like peer reviewed, trusted videos that, you know, your community also likes. And I wonder if that might also add a bit more validity to that. Yeah. Some sort of built in uh, recommendation engine, you know, people who, subscribe to these channels also like this stuff, which I'm sure YouTube already has this like built into their algorithm. I don't know that I would necessarily like pay to be a subscriber of that. But if you grew a newsletter following for such a service, I imagine you could monetize with, you know, affiliate product recommendations or even, you know, direct sponsorships, some different ways to go on that. That's number 12, the YouTube recap newsletter. I feel like somebody was doing this for podcasts a while ago too. Like here's the, you know, the this week in podcasts, this week in entrepreneurship podcasts or something. It's kind of like a, a twist on the curation newsletter or curated newsletter. Some, uh, maybe some different angles to test around with there. You have any more for us? Number 13? How high are we going? I, I want to <laughs> either finish strong or keep my energy depending how, how high we're going. I have two more. Okay, perfect. I'll grab two then. One that might be interesting is, oh yeah, I was I was thinking about this one. This is another one of mine. This would be auto text for important reminders. So picture your busy self, Nick, or if you're a listener, you're, you're busy, you're going to work, you've got a lot on the go, you're hiring, you're firing, you're building product, and you forget. It's your sister's birthday coming up. You totally let it slip because you're not on Facebook, so you don't see the birthdays, or you haven't chatted in a while, but you want to stay closer with her this upcoming year. And so the business idea here is, what if there could be an auto text reminder that scrapes the internet or uh, important dates or times, and then it auto text reminds you a week before and then a day before to ensure that you're positioned well to perform on the date or time. And so the thought would be, it's my sister's birthday. I get a week reminder. I order something on Amazon. I you know, set up something special. I send flowers to her door. And then that day, I get another text and it's like, call your sister. It's her birthday. I call her. She's got the flowers. Everyone's happy. The auto text works perfectly. The other thing the auto text would be cool for is also meetings. So someone like Nick that I want to get to know 
but I haven't gotten to know because we haven't gone to the same school, gone to the same workplace, or done XYZ together. What if I got an auto text or a one minute clip that said, here's Nick, here's what he's done this last week, this last month, this last decade. And then I come to the meeting fully prepped, fully positioned for an amazing conversation. And it's kind of turning this low hanging fruit that's like all over the internet into like a snippy reminder or text that helps the person alley-oop for a great time when they're there. What do you think about that? Okay. Now I, I guess do something similar on the, you know, important reminders front where, you know, I just have these dates input on the calendar, you know, for, oh, it's, it's my parents' anniversary or something. I never remember the date. So I just like finally one year, just put it in there and, and now it just shows up. But I haven't gone to the point of like, well, get a reminder a week in advance so you can actually, uh, you know, take action on that. This is kind of, you know, another spin on your, well, what does the 1% have that the 99% could or should have? This is like some level of life automation, you know, Zapier for other reminders. Like, okay, so I think that could be interesting. The, you know, what was the the second part was about um, kind of creating these little like one sheet meeting documents. And that is an interesting one, like, especially as a podcast host, um, you know, maybe you bring in, like, I want to know, like, you know, what's, what's Joel all about? Like, what's his one pager type of bio? And there are of course, podcast, you know, booking agencies and stuff that will create this for you. But they don't, I mean, they're kind of like static PDF documents in a lot of ways where you could have like, oh, you know, if it was dynamic and pulled in your latest blog post and your latest LinkedIn updates, like, okay, now you have some up to the minute information while still maybe you have one kind of sidebar where it's like, this is your official bio resume, uh, you know, career accomplishments, but you have some other stuff that's a little more timely. Totally. And I think also the fun human stuff that doesn't get covered in a bio, like maybe Nick's traveled to 20 cities in the last decade. That's something that's really cool, but never covered on a bio. Or Nick just had a kid and he's now a father. And I could like bring that up in the meeting to say, hey, Nick, like how's fatherhood? Like I have two kids myself. I don't have kids. But what if it was actually helping you better show up as like a friend and a human Versus always like thinking on the business bio front. And so I, I think it'd kind of be like a mix of the two. But the thought is that it basically is taking information that we just don't have time to scrape. Yeah, this could be an interesting kind of productized service for some virtual assistant agency to try and, you know, put together either as an add on or as a standalone type of thing, like, you know, lead better interviews, lead better meetings, show up as a better friend, lots of different uh, ways to, uh, to go and pitch that. Number 14 that I have is what I'll call like buy the dip. This is an automated investing service for I'll call micro dips in asset prices because I am the investor that always thinks we're like due for a crash and I believe in long-term investing and dollar cost averaging and all that stuff. But all else, that being said, if I could eke out, you know, getting in at a 1% lower price, today, like, okay, that's okay. And so maybe you allocate, you know, I want to throw a thousand dollars toward the S&P, you know, over this month. And yes, I know there's, you know, data to suggest that, you know, you're better off putting it on day one rather than like sprinkling it out and trying to buy like these micro dips throughout the month. But uh, for whatever reason, like I find myself whenever there's, oh, you know, the market tanks today, like, okay, you know, go buy the dip. But it's like, you have to, it's not an automated process for me. So I wish there was some way to 
automate that. And maybe you said like, here's my investing budget for the year. And, you know, every time the thing goes down by half a percent, 1%, 2%, like you have certain rules to say, okay, this is like the extra amount that I'm going to allocate over there. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I think like a low hanging fruit play for that might be, there's a lot of those university classes that give people fake money to kind of test out their investing skills. And I wonder if that could be an interesting avenue to test this concept of like, could there be a service you use to like automatically buy the dip? And then, I don't know, you look at these big tools, there would probably have to be a lot of paperwork signed for the customer to give the validation, but they could auto sign up for a tier that lets them buy the dip on Wealthsimple or Robinhood. And then it kind of like just caters to that demographic that has opted in for the service. Yes, knowing full well that your returns aren't going to be as good as the person who just says, I'll set it and forget it. But totally. So that was one that came to mind. Number 15 for me, and then I'll let you uh, bring it home. Number 15 for me is this tiered referral program for podcasters. So you see this a lot in uh, the email space with uh, services like Sparkloop, where we're going to, you know, oh, you know, if you send three new subscribers our way, we'll send you a sticker. If you send 10 new subscribers our way, we'll send you a t-shirt. If you send 100 people, you can, you know, hang out on our private Zoom call or whatever. I would like to see something similar for podcasts. And there is one one that I can find that even attempts this right now, and it's called Refer-O-Matic by Glow.fm. And I have yet to play around with it because like, it's not very user-friendly in terms of, well, can you edit the tiers? Can you customize your cover art? Can you do all these other kind of things that you'd want to have built in? Now, the price is right, but it, uh, I don't know. I think there's an opportunity here if you can solve the tracking and attribution model. Like, well, they got to download it with their specific link. And well, which app did it go to for them to download this? But some technical hurdles to go around. But I would love a way to incentivize word of mouth in a way that makes sense. And, you know, as I kind of think about that, is there a story or moment within your podcasting journey where that would be a really nice plugin to have? Or how would you kind of expand on that? My belief is that podcasts tend to grow word of mouth. Somebody listens to it. Like if you, if you could turn one listener into two, you have solved all of your podcast marketing problems. And the challenge is like, it's such a, well, like there's always this, you know, podcasters talk about the discovery problem. It's like, well, the keyword search sucks. All of the apps are really designed just to show you like the top 10 business shows or the top 10 shows in any given category. So if you don't play in that space, it's harder for people to come and find you. And I just think there's a way to, because people naturally, they want to they share because it makes them feel cool. They want to share because it makes them feel smart. Like, hey, you got to check this out. Could you believe somebody was making money doing X, Y, Z? I think it lends itself naturally to sharing. And I've been the beneficiary of that for the last eight and a half years. But I'm wondering if I could pour fuel on the fire by saying like, well, not only would I love for you to share this, but I would like to reward you for doing so. Mm, I like that. That's a good idea. Should we jump to mine or is this, is this the final, final lap? Let's do it. Bring it, bring it home for us uh, with number 16. Okay. So uh, this is a early user of Kernel. His name is Lyndon Cormack and he's one of the co-founders of Herschel Supply Co. And they're the backpack uh, retail company that's kind of, I guess, taken over Canada, US and a lot of Europe. And he has this idea, as you know, he's a retail guy. 
Herschel's a, a pretty well-known brand among Gen Z or millennials. And he has this frustration that when you go to like a brick and mortar business and they have their open sign, it's like neon, it's old, it's been the same style for years, it's never been changed. And a lot of the times you'll go into the store and the open sign is on, but like the business is actually closed. And it's because people forget to turn it off. And it's kind of this thought around, instead of having an open sign, what if you could dramatically like elevate the open sign experience, personalize it to the brand, bring it to 2021, and auto-sync it with time zones so that you never make a mistake again? And, and his thought is like, what, yeah, what if you could say almost a internet of things appliance take on having an open sign that kind of kicks ass in the market. And so his thought would be like, you go into a spot, it's leveraging digital display. It's like auto synced it, it fits well with the, the location. And it's something that actually like works well for the business. And he has said that this idea is free for anyone to run with. And you could probably hit him up with his locations as I'm assuming he he's looking for this technology to use at Herschel. Okay. It's an interesting one. I, my first reaction was like, is this a pain point, you know, a big enough pain point that anybody cares about, but clearly almost every store in the country went out and bought one of those neon open signs. So it's like, Oh, okay. This must be a thing. You can buy an LCD monitor for a hundred bucks and program that to display whatever you want on there. Like we're open. Here's our, daily specials. Like I think there is some opportunity to play there and maybe even a recurring element of like, well, we'll host it. I don't know. I'm like sick of recurring. It's like, just, I want to buy the thing one time and be done with it. But maybe there's a recurring element where you sign into the dashboard and you can manage what it says on your digital open sign. Totally. And I, I think about like the movement in smart homes and you think of, I don't know how we used to get our AC. It's now controlled on our phone or our smart device, if that's synced up in the home. And it's like, as much as we love e-commerce and remote business, I'm pretty sure, like, don't quote me on this, but I thought the president of Shopify, Harley Finkelstein said, still only about 10 to 20% of like spending is online. So 80% is still, we're going to the restaurant, we're going to give them this money, um, we're going to the the bank in person to buy a home, whatever that process is, to some degree, there's some sort of open sign that we naturally shut off because we know the hours of the business. And it's kind of like, what's the easy alley-oop that what if there was a smart device that people actually remembered and like engaged with them in a way that they want to come back to the store? And I think this would also be a big play in less developed locations, not the New York, the San Francisco, the Vancouver, but more so like parts of smaller rural cities around the world that don't have access to super high working Wi-Fi or super fancy working Shopify sites. Okay. A chance for them to really wow their customers with with something they haven't seen before? I would say so. Yeah. All right. Well, Joel, this has been awesome. I'm always going to geek out on this stuff. I'll have to come up with another batch of business ideas here. We didn't even talk about my uh, Mexican-Italian food truck that's going to be called Asta La Pizza. But I want to know what's next for you. You've got Colonel coming out or going on at Colonel underscore ideas on Twitter. You'll find Joel at Joel S. Hansen over there as well and Kern.al. 
What's next for you? What do you want to go uh, for the rest of this year and into 2022? Colonel has been a big focus and it's been fun for the team to bring it together over you know the last little while. It is still in private beta, but if your audience does want to test it out after this call, I can set up an invite code under Nick for maybe 100 or 200 people to test out Colonel if they want to try it. In terms of other fun things on the go, I'm teaching a class on Maven covering LinkedIn. And so that's a, a class I'm teaching founders and entrepreneurs how to storytell on LinkedIn. And then I also write a weekly newsletter called personalbrandbrief.com. And that's kind of founder advice for how to storytell in 2021. And so those are kind of the, the projects and ideas on the go, but Colonel's taking most of the time right now. And it's always easy to spend time on startup ideas. Uh, yes, always. Uh, never never a dull moment. Thanks for that invite code. We'll link that up for everyone in the show notes for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash Colonel. Again, K-E-R-N-A-L. Joel, thank you for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Doesn't have to be Colonel related, doesn't have to be startup related, but whatever entrepreneurial wisdom you'd like to impart. The... The biggest hack I've found this year is I'd say walking conversations or walking breaks during the day. For side hustlers or entrepreneurs, I feel like it's so easy to be sitting at your desk or kind of working on the laptop. But as much as possible, if you feel comfortable asking whoever you're chatting with and it's not a podcast, I'd recommend once a day start going for a 10, 20 minute walk or turn that 30 minute Zoom call into a 30 minute phone call. And walks have been the best highlight for me the last couple of months as I continue my side hustle work. Yeah, I like that one. Get some steps in, take some, uh, get some movement going during your day, get some fresh air. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that versus just being heads down, staring at your screen all day. Well, Joel, I know that I found a lot of creativity sparked just by spending a little bit of time on uh, your kernel platform. So it definitely gets gets you going on thinking about different pain points and potential solutions in life and in business. But I want to say, you know, thank you for sharing your insight. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.